Well, we've got something brand new today that I'm excited to tell you about. Uh, After the service, we're going to drop a link down there in the comments before the service ends, and uh, it'll be an opportunity for you to jump on with Pastor Josh and continue the discussion about what we learned this morning. And it's a video conference, uh, so you can uh, go ahead and talk to each other and greet each other and see each other. We'd love to take advantage of this, a great way for us to connect uh, during this strange time. But we need you, if you think this is a good idea, we need you to participate in it. We're going to do it for this series and see if it's something that you're going to take advantage of. And if it is, then we'll continue to do it. So uh, now today I know there might be a little bit of hiccups here and there if you haven't ever used Zoom before. Uh, but you just download the app on your phone, set up a, uh, you know, a, a login, and then click on that link in the comments. And it should take you right there. And then you'll have to you know, allow your phone to use the microphone and the video, uh, but it's going to be an awesome time. And I know if uh, I hadn't gotten to talk to Josh in a while, uh, I'd love to be able to just jump on there, even just to say hi to him and hear him tell me how awesome I am. And you'll get that opportunity uh, this morning as well. So uh, there at the end, uh, we'll drop that in the comments and you can click on that link and head over to our after discussion. And uh, just a 20 minute or so, and we'll talk about some of the things Uh, that we learned about this morning. The other thing that's very exciting is yesterday, our very own Eli Williams, the bass player, uh, and Haley Davis got married yesterday. So uh, pray for them. Uh, Whenever someone gets married that's part of our church family, that's part of our responsibility to uh, just come alongside that young couple and uh, just support them. So uh, be excited about that. And if you have an opportunity later on, you know, go on their Facebook pages and just tell them congrats and that you love them. Uh, so today, we're going to start on a brand new series on the book of Second Peter. Now, since I've been the pastor at Clarksburg Baptist Church, we've gone through the book of Ephesians, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Philemon, Philippians, Hebrews, and we've also been working through the Gospels with Jesus, the series. Now, we've done 1 Peter with a series called The Forgotten Gift, but that was back in 2018. I think it's due time that we tackle the second book of Peter, second letter that he wrote. And the title of this series is Before I Go. Now, let's remember in 1 Peter, we saw how he was writing uh, to the scattered church, and we talked about how we, as the 21st century church, have the words and works of Jesus Christ as contained in the Bible. And we talked about how we have so much more and know more about doctrine and faith than those that lived in the Old Testament because they didn't get the full picture. They were looking forward to a Savior, but we get to look back on the Messiah. This is what it said in 1 Peter. This was kind of what we hinged that whole series on in 1 Peter 1.10. It says, concerning this salvation... The prophets who prophesied about the grace that this was to be yours, this is what they did. They searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the suffering of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves as they were searching and inquiring and looking for this Messiah. They were not serving themselves but you in the things that they have now announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. These things uh, which angels long to look. 
So in first, this first letter of Peter, he tells you that you have a gift that many of us forget about. You have the words and works of Jesus Christ recorded and detailed, available to you all times on your phone or in your Bible. The prophets searched for what you have. The angels long to look into what you have, and yet so many times we take it for granted and we forget about it. When we look at this first letter of Peter, we saw this letter was written to the scattered church that was most likely scattered because of uh, persecution. These were young Christians and they needed encouragement. Now, just to remind you, this Peter's the same Peter that cut off that other guy's ear, the one that denied Christ, but he's also that same Peter that preached at Pentecost and saw thousands come to know Jesus. But we see these Christians, they were needy, in need of hope. They were in need of encouragement. And that's what Peter was trying to give them. He was trying to tell them not to give up. Now, the second letter of Peter is written to the same people. And it's a heavily Jewish population in northern Asia Minor. In the first letter, Peter told them what they needed to base their faith on, which was Jesus Christ. And in the second letter, Peter warns them that false teachers are going to come. False teachers are out there. They're going to try and fill their minds with lies, distract them from serving uh, Jesus, and instead tell them lies that would serve those false teachers. These same people, they wanted to move their foundation off of Christ. So they needed to be ready. They needed to be where. There were false teachers out there that were seeking to undermine their faith in Jesus Christ. Peter implores these young Christians, you've got to grow in your faith. If you don't grow, you're going to believe these tricks and believe these lies. And you're going to have your faith based on things that aren't the truth. Tony Evans says, the more you know the real thing, the more you can spot the wrong thing. He says, the more you're familiar with what is authentic, the more you are aware of that which is counterfeit. And Peter is trying to tell us, we've got to know uh, the, the word. We've got to know that we're walking with Christ so that we can spot those lies out there that false teachers try and throw in front of us. So let's jump in to 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those that have obtained faith of equal standing with ours by righteousness of God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us, check this out, it says his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called to us his own glory and excellence, by which, check this out, he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. So Peter is writing to these that have received the faith He's writing to those Christians in this letter, and he wants to push them into a deeper knowledge of God. Now, in this letter, you're going to notice that Peter has an urgency about him because he knows that he's going to die soon. 
Nero is persecuting Christians. Peter is in Rome, and it's only a matter of time. In just a few verses, in verse 14, Peter's going to actually say that Jesus has made it clear to him that his end is drawing near. So he wants to tell them some things before he goes. In verse 3 and 4 that we just read, Peter invites Christians to partake in the divine nature of God. That's what he's inviting us into, to partake in the divine nature of God. He says we can exhibit the very characteristics of God. Now, if you're a genuine child of God, then he has passed traits onto you, so to speak. You should live in a certain way. Because you're God's child, you should live in a certain way. And you probably remember growing up uh, where your parents would say, hey, Waymans don't act that way. Or uh, something I tell my kids, I've told them since they were very little, and I wanted to instill this one thing in them, that Waymans never quit. Waymans never quit. There's some things that our name and our family, there's important values that we have as families that we try and pass on to our kids. And that's what Peter is saying here. You have uh, uh, the access to this divine nature. And because you're part of the family of God, there's some things that you ought to do. Peter has this urgency about him because he wants them to know these things before he goes. We have, these, uh, we have to let these characteristics grow and mature, this divine nature. We have to uh, cultivate it. But God has made it available to us. And next, Peter goes on to name seven characteristics that Christians should exhibit to help them grow in their divine nature. We see that in verse, uh, verse 5. It says, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. And then he gives us a list. Supplement our faith with what? With virtue and with virtue, knowledge and with knowledge, self-control and with self-control, steadfastness and steadfastness, godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. Peter gives us this amazing list of things that we need to add to our faith. First, he says virtue or moral goodness. We ought to exhibit a, uh, just an air of being good. Man, that's a great first step for a Christian, right? That we're good. And then he says knowledge. That's more than just information, but discernment between right and wrong. Or another way to say that is wisdom. And then he says you ought to not only have uh, show off goodness and knowledge, but self-control. Man, that's, a, that's a, a novelty today where we resist our own selfish desires and sinful desires. And then next he says endurance, not quitting when things get hard. Then godliness, seeking to please God with our choices. Then brotherly affection, that's caring for the well-being of God's uh, family, brothers and sisters in Christ. But then he goes a step further too, not just there, though that's very important. Brotherly affection, but not just there. Next, he just says love in general. That's compassionately seeking the well-being of others, including non-believers. See, the, here it tells us these are things we're supposed to supplement our faith with, just like a bodybuilder would supplement his routine and his diet in order to gain muscle mass, we need to strengthen our faith with these supplements. Goodness, 
knowledge, self-control, endurance, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. You need to add these things to your life in order to reach your spiritual potential. Why? Because false teachers are coming that want to turn your heart away from the truth. You cannot live your Christian life on autopilot. You will always tend towards wrong. Your flesh will always pull your eyes off of Jesus and onto yourself. You cannot just allow yourself to just do what you normally would do. You can't just live in a reactive way. We've got to supplement. We've got to work. We've got to look at our lives and say, oh, this matches up to what God, uh, his character is. And this doesn't match up to what God's character is. And I need to add to these things. Next, in verse 8, he goes on and talks about these qualities. He says, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Check this out. I love this. He says, for whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Peter says, hey, believers, if you do possess these qualities, then you won't be useless. Isn't that awesome? I love Peter. He's so blunt. He just lays it out there. He says, if you have these things, then you won't be ineffective. And then he goes on to say, if you don't exhibit these supplements, these qualities, then you're blind. You're so nearsighted that you're blind. Or you have amnesia. You've forgotten where you've come from. He goes on to say that we need to add these things because people that are children of God ought to look like our Father. We ought to have some divine nature to us, not by our own strength, but through the Holy Spirit. It's because healthy things grow and a healthy spiritual life produces spiritual fruit. We'll never be sinless ever until we get to heaven. But if you aren't at least sometimes exhibiting some of these godly traits, then you need to check your faith. If you are not ever doing things that are not natural for you, then you've got a problem. You might be spiritually dead. Now let's flip this list. I like to do that every once in a while, right? Let's flip this list that of these supplements that he just gave us and paint a picture of what we shouldn't look like. He says moral badness, right? If we're supposed to have goodness, then the opposite of that would be moral badness. What should we not look like? Moral badness. Have you ever met a Christian who just, even though they're a Christian, they just kind of came off like a bad person, right? Their life and their attitude actually brought shame to the name of Christ. Or what about a lack of knowledge? Or people consistently making the wrong choices? Or a lack of self-control? Or people fall into traps of temptation frequently? What about a person that exhibits the characteristic of quitting? This person hits the road anytime something gets hard or hard conversations need to be had. Or selfishness, seeking only to please themselves and further their opinions and agenda. Or brotherly indifference. This person has apathy about the brothers and sisters in Christ and they don't care about their suffering or their needs. And a lack of love. Have you ever met a person that just doesn't like people. They disdain animosity and generally an unpleasant person. So these, uh, you know, we flip those things. These are things that 
don't exhibit the nature of God. But I wonder if we ask the average person in America what they thought about people that attended church. Which list do you think they would say we looked more like as as a church, as the American church? Do we look more like the, the characteristics, the supplements that Peter laid out that God wants us to be? Or do we look more like that second list? See, what are the stories out there right now about the church? We've got to fight against those because the stories are bad. We've got pastors that are falling into sin. We've got children that are being abused in churches. And we've got fighting and splitting in churches over little, tiny, small issues. We have people feeling alone and unloved in our churches. We have church members that marry themselves to a political party when they're supposed to be the bride of Christ. We've got judgmental Christians that show no love or, or no heart towards people in their suffering. Or, or we say something like, well, if they meet this criteria, then we'll help them. See, the church has a PR problem because the church has a, spiritual, uh, a spiritually mature problem. They're not growing in their spiritual maturity. And a spiritually immature church is a church that is ripe for false teachers and distractions from the mission. Anything that's not the most important thing is a distraction. We need to make sure the number one singular thing that we are here for is to reach people, to love God and love people. And there's other things that we would do, but if that's not on the very tippy top that's so obvious to our community, that's obvious to every person in the pew that we want to love God and love people, and we've got a problem. Goodness, wisdom, self-control, endurance, godliness, brotherly affection and love. Let those words describe our church. Let those words describe you. And just like supplements, you might not get it in your daily routine. You might not get it in your everyday life. You might have to on purpose work on these things. Goodness, knowledge, self-control, endurance, godliness, brotherly affection and love. Not just working harder. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about legalism where, you know, you just try so hard to be good. But you realize that these are traits that are passed down from your divine nature. And then you allow the Holy Spirit. You give the Holy Spirit the control and the opportunity to work these characteristics out in your life. Always leaning on him. Verse 10. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus uh, and Savior Jesus Christ. Man, that's an awesome statement, isn't it? Practice these qualities and you won't fall. And the proof that you have these qualities, that evidence proves that you are a child of God. If there's no evidence in your life, you better check it out. Verse 12, therefore I intended always to remind you of these qualities. Though you know them and are established in the truth that you have, I think it right as long as I am in this body to stir you up by way of reminder. Since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ has made it clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. 
You ever seen one of those uh, like video messages that a loved one leaves behind for people to watch like at a will reading? Uh, You know, they know they're going to pass away. So they say, you know, dear family, I need to tell you some things. I don't know whether those things are actually real or not. I've never been a part of that. It might just be a thing that they do at soap operas, right? And this big plot's revealed, right? But that's what Peter's doing here. He's saying, look, I have some things that I've got to let you know before I go. Some very important things because I know you're under persecution. I know there's false teachers coming. And if you don't know these things, you won't be prepared. You will fall. You'll become blind. You'll forget where you came from. I want you to know these things, and I want you to remember these things. And he says, as long as I'm alive, I'm going to remind you of these things. Because I want you to be able to recall these things when I am gone. Why is he so adamant about this? Because he wants them to have hope in Jesus Christ. Don't put their hope in anything else. Verse 16, he assures them that. He says, we do not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He says, this isn't a myth. Jesus is who he said he was. We saw him, we followed him. He lived, died, was buried and rose again and ascended to heaven and he's coming back again one day. Verse 17, for when we received honor and glory from God the Father and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice born from heaven for we were with him on the holy mountain. See, uh, uh, Peter says on the mountain of transfiguration. Peter says, we heard God speak. We heard it from heaven telling us that Jesus was the Messiah, the son of God. And we know this to be true. So even when false teachers come and try and throw doubt, don't believe them. Someone one day might tell you that we made this up, but remember the proof, the proof. Teach it to your children. Pass on your faith. Let me just do a, a quick commercial here, parents. Hey, just like you had to be your children's school teacher this last year, you've got to step up and be their Sunday school teacher too. Hey, if you're not careful over this time, when, when we're not in church, and when we're not in our normal rhythms and VBS and all that, hey, if you're not careful, you might wake up and realize your children don't know Jesus. It's your responsibility to teach your children about Jesus. And we try to do our best to make that easy on you by providing content for your kids uh, uh, to watch the Bible lessons. But you have got to do it. You have got to step up. We've got Right Now Media that you can get on, and there's so much content on there for kids. There's one right now that Chloe's watching called What's in the Bible. And it goes, parents, there's a lot of you that might benefit from watching it, but it goes in and tells how we got the canon of the Bible with puppets, and and it's great. Uh, But we have to step up and realize that if we as parents don't take responsibility, then our children may not catch the faith that we have. As a youth pastor, I saw that many times. And there was even a few times that the parents wanted to blame the church. But if you're not living it, and if you don't feel like it's important enough to pass on to your children, and if they don't see you reading your Bible, and you adding these things to your faith, then they're going to know it's not that important. We have to pass these things on. 
verse 19. And we have a more prophetic word, more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention, as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they carried along by the Holy Spirit. He says, hey, we've got the Bible, and we have the witness of Jesus. Jesus was this lamp, and when he worked on this earth, he was this lamp shining on a dark earth. But one day, he will come back like the rising sun, pushing out all darkness forever. We have this promise from Scripture that Jesus is coming back, so have hope. But until then, grow in your faith. Exhibit the divine nature of God and supplement your life with these things so that you can grow and spiritually mature and be ready to detect the lies out there. Goodness, knowledge, self-control, endurance, godliness, brotherly affection and love. Add these things to your life and grow.